0: He's the man behind the freestyle. A member of the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, Head Crack puts his love for the culture on display with the Flow and Go Freestyle Session with the Brat and his introduction to some of the games live as MC. But if you look closer, you'll see a triple threat on the rise. From radio to TV to the stage is one-third of the bodega, bro. The boy is for sure 456. He is Head Crack. This is free lunch. Go. some. Y'all
1: in the winning circle, shot some squares though You in the killing fields, ignoring the scarecrows Yeah, ho, I'm Benny Blanco in the last scene Making the power play, high off of caffeine This is a tag team, fantasy, the bad dream The male version of Kerry, killing the class queen Bazzi bloggers, quit dodging my emails Take yeah. that whack shit off, throwing are yeah. a revamp <laughs>
2: Welcome to the Free Lunch Podcast, home of the New South Movement and the New South Movement Network. This is your boy Tight, one half of the Free Lunch Podcast duo. I got the main man BGZ, with me. BGZ,
0: what's happening? You know what it is. BG the 27 kid in lovely Atlanta, Georgia. Free lunch podcast. What's happening It
2: Man, we're in the whole, We're in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Home of the Falcons, the Dirty Bird. And you can already hear this gonna be an entertaining interview and podcast. Uh we got a legend uh, of 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 radio personality. We got a hip hop underground battle rap guru. Uh I was gonna read his bio off his off the home page, but it seemed like he wrote it. Only thing I got from it was he's a unicorn, and I'm gonna leave it like that in a in a world full of wild horses. I'm a unicorn. You a unicorn. Why and not? And y'all know. And y'all know the voice. Yo,
1: people, because people get unicorns messed up. Like they, oh, it's such a beautiful creature. Do you realize that's a knife at
0: the head of that, <laughs> head of that, that unicorn's unicorn, head? Unicorn, oh, unicorn looks, dangerous. Looks
1: pretty, but it's pretty dangerous,
2: man. Try to kiss a unicorn. See what happens. You get brained. <laughs> yeah, and, and y'all know the voice. It's the man, Headcraft, from the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Peace. Also, uh, uh, the uh, Bodega Bravas. Yeah, Bodega. Uh, we definitely want to get into both of those, man. But okay. But I got a, I got a quick question for you. Yes, sir. So this morning, and, and I listen to the radio show, the uh, Rick Smiley Morning Show frequently, uh, daily listener, y'all do a segment where y'all call heaven. Right. Are you the Michael Jackson voice? No, man. <laughs> I wish I was that talented. I am the worst
1: at impressions because, like, it always starts off good. Then it goes from like you know an impression to a Jamaican to an Irishman to an Australian. You've I am a, a lot, lot of different like, I cannot stay in Consistent. character for long periods of time. Like you know, I recently did an episode of the TV show Archer that comes oh, wow. on FX. Mm-hmm. Thank God it was a short part because, like, my voice had no, op- you know, no chance to change octaves in between, like, the takes. So, like, that was it. But, nah, like, all every character you hear when we call heaven is all the work of one person.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: I don't think he wants his name out nah. there. Nah. Nah, don't But do it. it's all one dude. And this dude is so talented. So talented. It's all one dude, man. The guy's a mad dude. That's
0: And that's kind of the unique thing about that whole show is that everybody is just so talented in their very own way. How does that, how, how does that feel to be in that room on a day-to-day basis with all that talent? And, you know, it's ill because, like, the whole show is like a Swiss Army knife. For real. It you know really what I'm saying? Is.
1: Like, you know, hey, uh, we need a corkscrew. Get this bottle open. Uh, we need a knife. to Cut this open. We need a Phillips head flute driver. Uh, Gary will be the flathead. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, you know, everybody contributes something to the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I try to keep everybody abreast on pop culture, hip-hop news, what's going on with your favorite rappers, what new songs dropping. Gary got the gossip and the tea. You know, Ricky Smiley, of course, got the comedy and the prank phone calls. Special K, he's shooting from the grassy knoll. Rock T's keeping you covered with the mm-hmm. sports. Yep. The brat, um, you know, we're still figuring out, you know, all the skills that she has too because like, you know, like she's a great personality, personality. an amazing voice, and has is so well traveled. You know, she could ta- kind of tell you a little bit about everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's almost like getting a new toy or getting a new feature, or lever- v- leveling up in a game. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, now, all right, cool. Now we got these new powers. So like, you know, so the show is definitely yeah, up yeah. a notch.
0: You know, adding a brand. And I right. can remember when she when she she came on as a guest one right. one episode, and it was like it was so natural. You could you could just kind of feel the chemistry, mm-hmm. and she ended up being a. A part of the team, so yeah, you know, like it was it was an interesting time when she came in too. Because, yeah, like, it was.
1: Know, yeah, because you know, we had Claudia, uh-huh. you know, who I think, um, I don't really think she was given a fair chance to do well, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think sometimes people need somebody to hate, and it was just easy to hate her because she came after someone who was so well liked, and that's yeah, that's, you know that's a what good I'm saying. Question. Like, people loved Ebony, yeah, and um, you know, and like to follow that. No matter who you put in that seat right after Claudia Ebony, I think they do. was gonna have a tough time, and it just happened to be Claudia. Like, and it's messed up because like even I don't watch Real Housewives of Atlanta, but I, I did watch one episode, and it's like crazy because like a little bit, the little bit I saw, is was like, I don't know these people, you know, because they're not like that in real life, right. you, know, like, you know, as it relates to like Claudia and Portia and. Uh, you know, some of the other people I've dealt with, I think Candy's pretty much the same. She's so, mm-hmm. like, she's so even-steven. But, uh, you know, but, like, you know, I just, like, I think between the Real Housewives of Atlanta and just, like, you know, just stories that, you know, people made, you know, made up on, like, the internet and stuff like that. I just think people just, whatever reason, didn't
0: like Make Claudia. it hard, yeah. And
1: And also, when she came on, you know, a lot of people knew her from uh, the foxhole. Right. Which is satellite right. radio, you can say whatever you want, right. talk greasy, and mm-hmm. then, like, on terrestrial radio, it's a little bit of a different animal, so, you know, so I think a lot of people who were fans of her from now were like, yo, where's that Claudia at? But, you know, but like, you know, so the year was up in steps the brat, you know, you know, I think the person after the person always has, has a better chance than the person shot. after the first
0: person. That took so. that dagger. <laughs> the first yeah. one that
2: take that take the marrows, boy. I, I did solicit a few of our listeners, and that was one question that, that they, they asked me, they wanted me to ask you was, what happened with Ebony? Man, you're I, you're, 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 I I completely,
1: I am not really at the liberty <laughs> to speak about that. You
2: know what I'm saying? Oh, I get like, it. I get it. You know,
1: because it, it's such a complex puzzle. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I don't want to paint anybody in a negative light on any side of that mm-hmm, argument. Right. You know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, you know, like, you know, it happens. You know, sometimes like, you know, like business, business relationships just sure. don't work out. Even though it seems like they should, or no matter how long they've been rolling, but like the cool thing about Ebony, she's talented, and you're gonna see her again, you know, on something, mm-hmm. or you know, maybe sooner than later, you know what I right, mean? So, right. so yeah, yeah, don't don't cry for her, Argentina. She's gonna be back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's been doing it for a long time because in you know being from Alabama in Birmingham, they were on the morning show. Yeah, uh, way back when on on radio, and we would wake up to them in high school, and they had it going on. So yeah, she'll she'll be fine. She'll be back. Yeah. But let yeah.
2: uh, let let's, let's get into your journey because we don't want to talk about. Uh, any of those other personalities we really wanted to have you on the show and really- uh, get, allow you to walk us through your journey to to even how you got to the morning show Wonderful. and even with your even with your um even with your group that you're that you're a member of uh I do remember you saying that that you all were in the, in the midst of signing a big deal yeah. so I don't know if that's gone down yet, but you can definitely break it on our podcast. We love to. Okay, love I mean, uh, break that news on the podcast. I mean, shoot, By the time
1: this all airs, man, um, the ink should be dry. You know, okay. the paper is on the table. Okay, people are shaking the pens out right now and get the ink ready to go. And it's a real, it's a real sweet deal. And like, and we have a plan B even for if the plan A magically doesn't go through. But everything is looking sweet. Everything's looking <laughs> lovely. And uh, we just can't wait to get this music out to the world because, mm-hmm. like, all we do is record and create. Like, you know, it's 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 therapy for us, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, group and solo because, um, you know, radio is great, but it's so limiting because, like, radio is what radio is. It's a very uh, one-dimensional medium. Like, you know, you can only hear it. But, like, when you do music, though, you can, like, you have, the pro- you have the power to change the world with music, you know, like, and and get people through the darkest moments of their lives, man. And, like, with this album we're getting ready to put out uh, called LGA, Loaded Guns and Alcohol, I really feel like um, when people hear it, they'll hear what we were going through when we were making the album and connect with it on so many different levels. Because it's not an album about partying at all. It's not. But, I mean, there are rec- fun records on there. You know, fun records on there. but like it's not an album to make the latest dance to.
0: Mm-hmm. It is
1: not an album to uh, throw money at strippers to. Well, maybe one song. <laughs> but uh, but uh, <laughs> but even even that record ain't that record. You nah. know, what I'm saying? it doesn't come across like that record. Like mm-hmm. you like the beat, and you'll dig what we're saying. Like you know, it's one of the albums when you listen to it from beginning to end. You will either go do something productive that day. You're gonna run harder in the gym. You're gonna mm. go to work sharper than you were when you, uh, before, right. you uh, before you before you listened to it. It's like, damn it, man! It's it's almost like a book, but it's an album. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. With stories and like, and and Trojan horse information nice. that comes off as one that's thing It's need. like, oh wow, oh that's what they meant.
0: Nice. You know what I'm saying? The so double entendre. I, I,
1: we can't put it out fast enough,
0: to be honest with you. how did you come up with the, the, the name? Load of guns and alcohol. Yo,
1: that was all keynotes doing. And uh I, I and I remember it so vividly because I was leaving the house and I was getting ready to jump on 285 from the crib. And he's like, yo, got an idea for the album. What? Yo, he's should call it Load of Guns and Alcohol. And like I already saw the picture in my head. Because like when you combine the two things, it is the worst combination, combination, combination. Of, <laughs> of things thing. ever. And I think the world at this current time is being ran by the worst combinations of things ever. Like, you know, like from the standpoint of how, like, you know, gun lobbyists have like their foot on the necks of all these different politicians, politicians. how alcohol is, you know, it, it gets people through their, their issues and their problems. And, you know, people use that as a coping mechanism and you fact the drugs in as well. Uh, it's just the problem is loaded. Guns, drugs, and alcohol doesn't have the same ring as loaded guns and alcohol. So we left the drugs out. But right. same thing, man. Like, you know, we uh, so many people self-medicate and try to detach from the world chemically. And these things make our world spin. And it's funny how, like, things change and certain things get vilified, more than others, like, you know, like, you know, back in the the 70s and the 60s, oh, man, like, you know, like, it was cocaine time. Everybody's doing cocaine because mm-hmm. no one knew cocaine was bad for them. Mm-hmm. Then he realized that cocaine was bad for them, and then it became vilified. And then you fast forward 20 years, everybody's taking pills, right. not really realizing the pills are just as bad as the cocaine. We were vilifying in the 60s and the 70s and going into the early 80s. Mm-hmm. So, People are kind of swapping out drugs I mean, every generation. Cycle. It's a, it's a cycle. vicious cycle. It's a cycle. Like, you're getting to a point now where, like, heroin use is back on the rise. Do you guys how many steps goes into using heroin? You know what I'm saying? But, like, everything has, it has a flow and a swing to it, man. So, like, we're trying to make this album your alcohol or your drug. Like, listen to it once or twice a week. Get pumped up. Change the world. Repeat and rinse. You know, mm-hmm. so hopefully that's what we can do with this record.
2: Man, that's what's up. I, let's take it even back further. you from Brooklyn. No, I'm from Bronx. the Bronx. i from the Bronx. Everybody won't put me in Brooklyn. My mom's from, from Brooklyn, no, okay. My mother's from okay. Fort okay. Greene. Okay, okay. Well, take us back to them Bronx days. Take us back Yo. to that time growing up, uh, the scene, set the scene for us with, with the hip-hop music, um, and how you even got into, like, loving hip-hop and, 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 and wanting to be a personality, et cetera got
1: you man like you know at the time i was growing up in new york um it was hip-hop was still new young and fresh man it was like the new girl in school like everybody wanted to holla at it you know and just to hear it evolve on the radio from being like this dirty little secret that was played at night after 12 midnight with like red alert and chuck chill out and you know the awesome too to being this thing where like there's stations that are like, that's the thing, we're the hip-hop station. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it was amazing to watch that transition because, like, you know, there used to be stations whose whose whole thing was, we're the station that doesn't play, play rap. rap. You know, <laughs> right. to now, like, you know, in order to survive, you have to have some type of influx of hip-hop in your situation. So... The things that were really driving the culture at that time, you know, like especially when you talk about like mid to late 80s is like, you know, shit, crack cocaine was on the swing and the world was changing. You know what I'm saying? A lot of of latchkey kids, you know, kids who were like, you know, like had to fend for themselves and just figure life out. And, you know, and I think, you know, that really, you know, cultivated and bred the music. Of that era. And you know, and then like with the culture being so fresh and there's so many aspects in it, everybody wanted to figure out how they was gonna be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't rap but I could draw. Ah, uh, you're a graffiti artist. Man, I can't draw but I could dance. Now you got the break dances right. pop blockers. Oh uh, man, I can't do none of that. But I know a good song when I hear one, boom, DJs, right. you know, and then like and then back to the MC. So everybody found their part, you know, and then, and when the getting was really good, hip hop was employing so many people, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like mm-hmm. whether it be like street teams, which I used to be a part of a street team, like I was responsible for putting up the poster boards and making sure the records got to the clubs and stuff like that. <laughs> and it was great money. Like, you know what I'm saying? It got to a point where I was even running my own street team company in Dallas because I eventually moved to Dallas, Texas and, um, and w- was killing it and getting paid and was paying other people. Like, hip-hop was feeding so many people. Right. So to watch it grow from this seed, you know, on some time-lapse shit, to watch it become this big corporate thing where, like, you know... You have, like, everybody and their mom doing it and they're using rap to sell this, that, and the third. It's just amazing to say that we're alive to see that, you know? Because, like, you know, when you talk about rock and roll and, like, the pioneers right, of rock and right. roll, we weren't here for that. We don't remember none of that. We're alive in such an amazing time where, like, the architects that helped build this culture in which we are, like, you know, which is, like, a foundation for us, they're still around. Right. Like, you could still reach out to Cool Herc and be like, yo, man, thanks, bro. You know, you can reach out to Bambada. Man, thanks for playing Rock, man. You can still see Keras one. You can still catch Big Daddy Kane, Rock uh, Run DMC. Right. At least two-thirds of Sugar Hill Gang. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, it's, you know, it's...
0: Our, our pioneers are still here. Do you think that we uh, show enough appreciation for those pioneers? Not at all, because, like, hip-hop is the only
1: um, music form where I really see them really trying to age people out. Uh-huh. You know, like... Oh, man, he's old. He's 42. He's dead to us. You know, some people transcend that, like, you know, the Jay-Z's of the world, the Nas's. But at the end of the day, just imagine if Jay-Z would have retired after the Black album. He actually got bigger hit records after after his quote-unquote retirement. And I think, you know, as it relates to music, you know, I think people born after a certain year only want to hear music to... Party and turn up to because radio created that condition. That's what I was going to You know what I'm saying? saying? Like, radio has done more fucked up shit and damaged hip hop more than anything anybody else. Because the problem is with the, a lot of the processes with radio, they do a lot of their research from clubs and strip clubs. So it, in, in certain cities, it really makes the overall tune or the overall vibe of the music. Have a certain tone because everybody is trying to compete to make a similar sound. Every now and then, there are guys who break through, like J Cole. Like J Cole has done the impossible because he's gotten on the record this—I mean, the radio this year—with like what a lot of people would consider underground hip hop records. You know what I'm saying? Like these songs aren't your traditional quote unquote singles, but he has a great machine behind him and such a heavy cult following that connect to what he's saying. He's the anomaly in the situation. Same thing with Kendrick Lamar, but I don't think people fully appreciate Kendrick Lamar commercially as they should. Because he's had a lot of great records, but radio didn't start fucking with him until he was like, pour up, drink, headshots, drink. It took him making a drinking and getting high song to for radio to embrace him. And I think that's messed up. Because he had other songs that weren't about that that actually could help people. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't It's Gonna Be Alright shoved the, down our throat the same way um, watch out, little bitch. No hands.
2: <laughs> you know what I'm
1: saying? Why wasn't it shoved down our throat the same way those type of records are? Because some things are forced upon us. Right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Right. And like, and I think more people, and especially DJs, should program from the heart and fight a little harder and get more creative. I'm just starting to DJ, right? I'm taking like a DJ course at the Scratch Academy. Shout out to SAE. Um, and to <laughs> creatively mix things that don't sound like everything else. It's yeah. tough, but DJs have to work harder to be better
2: to yeah. figure out how to do it. And that's and what they were doing in they the were beginning, doing, right? right? That's what they were doing in the beginning, and, I, and we listened to. So, what are your thoughts? Because because I think Dame Dash touched on a lot of this mm-hmm. when he was kind of exposing and and, and talking about, talking about culture vultures and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. What you think about his comments on on both um, Sway's show? As well as on uh, uh, Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Yeah, I only caught like little, like
1: you know, snapshots of it. Down. Whatever Instagram offered me in fifteen second uh, spoonful <laughs> dosages. But uh, the, um, I mean, there are a lot of culture vultures because at the end of the day, it's a business. Everybody, like you know, you have some people who like I do it for the culture, like you know what I'm saying. But you have some people who's like, how much money can I make off of this? Right. And it's not a bad mentality to have if you want to make your livelihood the hip hop culture. You're you're forced to be a culture vulture in order to figure out how to get money from it. So I understand that aspect of it. And they're always going to be both parties. You know, like Mm -hmm. you're going to have your purists and you're going to have your vultures. It's just the way it is. There's more purists, I feel, than there are vultures. But, you know, the vultures kind of get vilified because they figured out a way to make money off of things. I was driving around yesterday and it dawned on me. I pay extra to have my trash delivery service pick up my recyclables which they d- then turn to a recycling place and get money from <laughs> the motherfucking trash people, the culture voters, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like
0: they in the system.
1: Baby. in the system, I'm paying you to get money. <laughs> like, 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 so like, you know, so anytime you can figure out how to pimp the system in that way, size, shape, or form of fashion, man, you bad. You a bad person. Like, not bad. That like mean
2: bad, like, but right? Like, no. man, that's, that's dope. smart. Right. So, so let's take us back. You, you on the street team. Yeah, I used to be... Uh, I used How to old were you j- and you on the street, team? Oh, my God. Um, here's
1: the thing. I can't see me because, like, uh, you know, this is a podcast, but, uh, you know, I got a very wolf-like beard. Just imagine me having this beard when I was 15.
2: <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I had no problem getting into anywhere. Everybody always thought I was older than what I really was. So, like, you know, people just kind of just always fast-tracked me through places. Like, the crazy thing is, like, so when I graduated from high school... Younger than everybody else because my parents were the ultimate hustlers and didn't want to pay for an additional year of uh, daycare and forged the proper paperwork to get me in school a year early. So, like, you know what I'm saying? So, I'm graduating high school when I'm like 15, 16, you know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, long story short, um, I graduated high school, I took an internship. Um, There was this thing called survey broadcasting which I thought had something to do with radio, but it didn't. It was actually like, hey, we're going to send you to a record company and you're an intern there. I went there and I bust my ass every day. I was there before everybody else. I always checked my work, was very thorough, handled my mail outs, went above and beyond the call of duty. So they uh, bumped me up in the company like right after my internship was over and uh, made me the radio assistant to the regional uh, director for Motown. Uh, For like the southwest region Mm -hmm. So my job was to like do mail outs Call college radio stations and secondary stations make sure they're get the records and stuff like that making flyers and this is before like Photoshop was like super duper popping. I'm like like you know the people that do the ransom notes I'm cutting out paper and you know <laughs> gl- glue sticking it down and just making the dopest stuff I possibly can with like you know no computer damn near and a copy machine but like it was enough to wow. like you know make the bosses happy and um so, my boss at the time, Shannon Henderson, she had a promotion company called Griot that was like bodying everybody in Houston. And now that she was in Dallas, she wanted to, like, start a company in uh, in Dallas. So she had me run it for her because she, you know, legally couldn't really do it because she was the regional rep for Motown. So hands off on all that. And, like, and me pass it off to this young wolf that's hungry and is going to be in the clubs and be in the streets and go to the colleges and go to the schools. So she gave me her accounts. And just because of, like, my work with her, she uh, I started getting accounts of my own. So I was doing work for her. And I also was working my own accounts as well. I and mean, I was doing promotion for Electra Entertainment, Def Jam. Everything, everything that Rush was doing, Loud Records at the time, because they had like crazy records. You know, like so to be a hip hop enthusiast as I was, and to get all this music for free, and you're always getting in the clubs for free, and like you know, it was like the ultimate drug but it also burnt me out on clubbing by the time I was 22. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, Yo, like,
0: yo, you, could, you, you couldn't get me to go to a club by the time I was 22. I'm like, yo, I'm over it. Because I was doing it since I was 15. Is right. that where you wanted to be? Was that something that you saw yourself doing as kind of being involved in the music and the culture yeah, cause you, you level? Said, Yeah,
2: because you said something that I caught in high school. You said when you first went to the, what was it, the, the company you started working for, you thought it was radio. Yeah, serving But North it wasn't broadcasting, radio. Right. When I took your
1: right. internship, I thought it was radio because, like, um... I wanted to be on the radio to find songs to play on the radio. I didn't really want to be a personality. Cause I'm like, what do I say? I'm gonna curse. I know I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I didn't want to be on the radio to like be a personality. I just wanted to find the music and drive the culture. You know what I mean? Like like Funk Flex was doing like in the nineties in New York. Um, but um and even like working for a record company, I was like, yo, I'm gonna be an r I want to find people. And granted, I'm doing music at the time myself, but I'm like, hey, I want to, you know, I want to rap. I want to put out a few albums, but I want to find talent because there's so many dope people around in, like, weird-ass cities that people ain't up on. Like, man, I went to Colorado, and there's, like, dope rappers in Colorado. And you go to St. Louis, and there's dope rappers there. Like, I want to find these people, and I want to give them a shot, change their lives. But I never became an r Like, uh, like I, as far as I got in the record company business, I was... Uh, I get, uh, so it, so after I was doing, like, my street promotion thing, it caught the attention of this company called Platinum Distribution, which was based out of Atlanta. And they had all these really weird D and C list artists that, like, were popping at one point in time. But they had, like, the live versions of their albums uh, at first and, like, compilations. So, like, I took that job because it was, like, more money than I was making working the radio department at Motown and I was still able to hustle my, uh, my street accounts on the side and then pass it down. Like, you know, my boss did to me. Like I had my, my homie run the street company while I was working for, uh, doing the head, like headed up the marketing for my region for, uh, platinum. Um, did that for like a year. They wanted me to move to Atlanta and I was like, man, I ain't ever gonna move to Atlanta. Not for that kind of money. <laughs> but it was mostly like, I'm never gonna move to Atlanta. But wow. I ended up moving to Atlanta because yeah. I'm sitting here talking to y'all, but, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like they, they was trying to give me to move for like bullshit money. And I'm so glad I didn't come. Like, you know, I swear, like, God push, puts flashes of the answer in my head. He told me don't do it, and I didn't, and the company shut down like three, four months like after I said no. Um, but anyway, so from that, I started working at EMI distribution. I had my first son, and I didn't have a job, but I had my street team stuff, so I was still making money from that, but I didn't have no job, so it was like grind time like yo, because I've worked from the even when I wasn't working, I was shooting dice at school, so I always had money coming in. you know, so you know is that I, how you got your name? Yeah, absolutely, because I used to always walk around with dice in my pocket and like I, they, they, like I used to tank like a rattlesnake. Like, you know, like,
0: like when I was right, cause I, cause I always would be moving
1: fast down the hall, like bopping. So like you hear the dice, like, so they started calling me head crack and it just stuck. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) and the cool thing about like, when I was like, cause I graduated high school in Dallas and nobody in Dallas knew shit about rolling dice. At least not in my school. Cause I graduated from a school called the Colony High. No one knew shit about dice. I'm making up the rules as I go. Like, yeah, you lost. That's a head crack. (laughs) (laughs) There's <laughs> probably somebody's gonna shoot me, and like you know, once they realize, you know, once they like realize it, all, like all the times I got them, but uh, you know, making up the rules as I go, but whatever But um, so yeah, so I ended up working for EMI Distribution in their mailroom, but I killed it so hard in the mailroom, they're like, hey man, listen, come on, I want you to do the marketing for us. So wow. they they gave me a marketing gig. How did you kill it in the mailroom? Just make sure shit got to where <laughs> but, but it needed to go. But they gave me the mailroom job because they knew my street teamwork and they knew what I was doing for platinum. There just wasn't a position at the time. Gotcha. But they wanted, uh, my man Billy Bowles looked out mm-hmm, for me and mm-hmm. wanted me to like, you know, like, hey, man, I know you need this job. Because there was one company, there was this one lady at Universal. She wouldn't want, she didn't hire me because I think she felt I was more qualified than her and I was like a threat. To her gig, man. And that shit was whack. That was the first time I ever really felt oppressed.
0: Well, the
1: first time. You know, like, <laughs> but um, uh, so anyway, so my man Billy gave me the shot at um at uh you know, got me the gig at U uh you Uh EMI and uh started a mailroom, was in the mailroom for like, I don't know, six weeks, two months, and then they got me the marketing gig, and I was just like, I did it like it was the last job I would mm. ever have and mm-hmm. like grind hard. And the cool thing is like one night I'm at a party with my man Kino. And another dude by the name of Super K, know, it's in the Bodega Brothers with me. And uh, there was a new station that came to town called 97.9 The Beat. And we had this party, we're drinking, uh, as usual. And, and um, he <laughs> was like, yo, this is a new station in town, and they're playing Daylight Soul and Ghostface Killer. And I was like, yo, I want to work there. And keynote was like, yeah, me too. So I was like, yo, let's go to the studio tomorrow and make a tape. So we went to the studio the next day, we made a tape, turned it in. And uh, and it was like a five-minute Actually, no. It was like a 10-minute window, like of what our show sounds like. We didn't have no show. We made it up in the studio that day. But this is what our show sounds like for 10 minutes. We're like, hey, maybe if we're lucky, we can get the 10, to midnight, uh, 10 to 2 in the morning shift. Keep our day jobs. So we turn in the tape. We hear we get a call back. Um, probably about about maybe like five days later. Somehow, even though we had everything in one envelope, somehow the CD and the bio and the press kit all got separated. But this lady by the name of Marie Kelly knew me because I used to always go up to the station she worked at, K104 and drop off records, sometimes like freestyle on the spot for them and like you know talk some hip-hop stuff with them and and go on my merry way. So she recognized my voice, she's like, yo, that's Ed Crack. I got his number. So she called me, boom, like, yo, we got we heard your tape. We want y'all to come in. Da-da-da-da-da. So next thing you know, we went in, we met with this guy named Daryl Johnson. Um, he was like a young rogue program director who actually used to program Hot in Atlanta. But they sent him to Dallas to start this new station for uh, for Radio 1. And uh, he liked the fact that we ain't never did radio before. And he's like, yo, listen, we want you to be our night show. So me, Super K, and Keynote became the night show. And yo, we was catching bodies. Like, they you said sent- Super
0: K? Super
1: K, yeah. Oh, okay. okay.
2: Super That's crazy. Yeah, like, I mean, they
1: sent some of the biggest names in radio to come to Dallas and kick our ass. And we kicked their ass. And, and and it was it was it was supposed to not be done. Like they was in there with the mentality, man. If we can at least you know be in the top ten, and I'm like, why would you want to just be in the top ten? Fuck that. Let's be number, number one. one yeah, on like you know what I'm she saying. Like I, I you know I don't understand radio research. You know at the time I didn't understand radio research and I didn't care about it. Like yo, no, let's go and win. Let's do stuff that ain't never been done before. Like I think our finest radio moment as a trio. Um, it was the seven-year anniversary of the death of Tupac. And I found some weird, rare Tupac interview that ain't never really made the rounds. He was talking about poetic justice. So what we did is we took the audio, we cut it all up, and made it sound like it was like a current interview. And like we teased it. We had drops and shit. Yo, five days into Tupac comes back. So on, oh, this, on, on the actual seventh anniversary of the death of Tupac, and the radio station is in a mall. So what we did is we put curtains up in the studio so you couldn't see inside our <laughs> booth. We ran a three-part Tupac interview back <laughs> that sounded just like he was talking about modern-day stuff. Like, and I think at the time, like you know, like Ja Rule was still kind of popping. And I was like, "Yo, man, uh, so what you think about Ja Rule, Pac? He ain't me." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my man Kino's like, yo, Pac, man, you've been a go- you've been gone for a long time, man. Like, what were you thinking about the whole time you were gone? Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson. It's all poetic justice <laughs> stuff, but it was so it was so cleverly chopped up, weaved and edited. Yo, we got so like people were calling up on the, on the phone, crying and wanting to talk to him. There were people like we was peeking through the curtains. There was people outside the studio holding like candles up and like and, like just classic, trying to get a glimpse of Pac. And then at the end of the interview, he's like. And this would would have been like if he was still alive.
0: (laughs) People were so
1: (laughs) pissed. (laughs) But like, it was radio theater at its finest because it was like a seven day long con. And like, you know, like, and we put the production value into it. Like, and like, and, and it was believable. And it's about doing things that people remember. My only regrets is a lot of things that we did on the night show we never really archived it because our whole was like, eh, we'll do a better show tomorrow. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. we were slightly arrogant mm-hmm. in that respect to where like, we just didn't really care about backing up a lot of the things we, you know, we did because like, it's just like, okay. And cause that, you know, cause some people like to go to the well multiple times and rerun and replay their popular things because we were a night show. We didn't run best right. of, you know, it's not like right. a morning show. You're just doing your show from day to day. So we didn't really think about that. And, um, you know, And so a lot of things we lost And even like the skimmer that would record Our things on cassette It was trained to only cut on when the mics are on So if we're running something from like The, the Vox Pro or the computer It's not running that So a lot of our best stuff Which was recorded on a Vox Pro Never made it to tape Because it's just like You know, because the technology at the time So it, it makes me so mad Because there's so many things that like You know, I, I often forget about Like me and Kino would be talking He's like, you remember that time we did that? Like, oh yeah One time we did a thing we would give away tickets to a concert and we had two contestants come down to the station. <laughs> we didn't tell them what they was gonna be doing or what the hell. So it was like, hey, uh, and, and, and so, so like, you know, so we, we come out of a song, it's like, yo, we got blah blah blah. Where you from? Blah, blah, blah. Where you from? And then like, you know, we turn the music down, we start talking to him, we, we need you to have a seat right over here. Then my man Supercake brings out this duct tape and starts duct taping up to a chair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like deep, like mummified. <laughs> All right, first person who gets out gets the tickets. All right, coming up next, we got the new song from Nelly, uh, <laughs> and then like so, the whole rest of the show like was them trying to trying get the out, out of the thing, thing. <laughs> like and like and once again because of like you know we didn't we don't we didn't video archive that this we didn't record would, yeah. it, but we really did a, we did a, we tried to do our best job to do the theater of the mind to like so right now uh, it seems like he got his hands free. Um, but, uh, I don't know if he's going to be able no, to move to that torso, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep at it, <laughs> you know, like, uh, coming up next your chance to win. <laughs> like, like, you uh, know, we just kept it pushing, man. So like, we used to do just crazy fun stuff like that all the time. And it's just like this, I, I never hear that on radio anymore. Like, you know, there's so many things I want to do on a morning show that I just can't because like, it's so, it's so bogged down by commercials and like, you know, mm-hmm. got to play X, Y, Z amount of songs. Like, you know, like. I'm a creative person, and like sometimes it's hard in to be box. as creative as you want to be because like you're in a box, like you're sharing a blanket with seven other children. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like,
2: uh, where, where, how long did y'all do the night show? I
1: guess we did I the want. night show for like four and a half, five years, and then um, Steve Harvey was doing the morning show at 97 on Nine the beat at the time was left. He left the company, he left Radio One because you know sometimes you got to leave the company and come back stronger, and he totally did that. Um, so they needed a morning show. So, they put me with Ricky, who I was slightly familiar with, because, like, you know, I'm doing Night Show for, like, five years. So. Was Ricky
2: in Dallas then, or was he No, he, to was, he was still in Birmingham. That's okay.
1: But, like, I was slightly familiar with Ricky, okay. because, like, you know, we would have the TV on in the studio, and I think he had a, he had a show on uh, BET called right. uh, yeah. The Way We Live, and he also hosted Comedy View. So, yeah. I would always see his face, but didn't really know any of his material, you know, prior to meeting him. So, when we meet, it's, like, weird, like, you know, because he's from Birmingham, I'm from New York and shit, like... Hey, which what you, which what you, what you about? What you about? <laughs> yeah, like you know what I'm saying? Out, it was weird. Like yeah. it was like the scene uh, in um in um what was that movie with uh Robert De Niro and uh Al Pacino and shit, like with uh Heat. heat okay. <laughs> you know, like the, the the table seat of Heat. Because like we don't you know, we're just both trying to figure each other out. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, so as the morning show started rolling, they started adding other pieces, other characters,
0: and you know, it had eventually built to this thing that, you know, we uh we have today. So that started out with somebody else's, you know, idea of Bringing the two talents together. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, and building a morning show. Because, like, at the time, it was very popular. to Like, hey, you know, have a comedian anchor it. Because, you know, the comedian's going to be funny. And, you know, mix and put some people around him that, you know, know the music and, you know, the other stuff. And, you know, that was kind of, like, the formula. Like, you know, there was a lot of shows that were doing it at the time. Like, I know, like, D.L. Hughley had, like, a morning show briefly. And, you know, and, you know, of course, Steve Harvey's situation. But he surrounded himself with older people. It was weird. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but like, you know, but like his situation works for his target demographic, you All know, right, you know, so.
2: So you, so y'all formed the group and then that's how the radio show, uh, the morning show started. That's how the morning right show. show started, man. 97 out of beat in Dallas, man, in a little tiny
1: studio in the mall, Valley View Mall. And, um... And it it was dope, you know, like. But were y'all syndicated at the time? No, we we just start syndicated because, like, you know, you gotta prove yourself. Right. You can't just like turn a show on and like, all right, let's put them everywhere. Like, nah, you gotta make sure you work in one city first. So once uh we you know proved ourselves in Dallas, they put us on in uh St. Louis, and then from St. Louis it was uh let's say Baltimore. Then after Baltimore it was like Miami. Then after that it was like an avalanche. Everybody came to the party after that. Yeah,
0: because y'all feel that like, feel that like, yeah, gap because you said talking about how there's a. Uh, select shows that have a demographic that's older Mm -hmm. and then you guys come in and fill that gap for us because you know it's a it's a younger show it's it's more stuff that's relative to what we're talking about in our 30 year old peer group and stuff like that so definitely bridge that gap yeah
2: it's a battle it, it is a battle and i wanted to talk about that with the landscape so when you guys first join y'all kind of feel that void for that younger generation that target audience i'm assuming being what about 25 to to 40 or even younger than it that it depends the conversation
1: like sometimes they tell you hey you're speaking to mm-hmm. you know people that are 18 to 34 uh, then it switches to you're speaking to women. You speak. You're specifically speaking to women who are ages, you know, twenty three to thirty eight. And then it changes to you got to speak to the kids, bro. Like you know, it like, radio will drive you crazy. That's why, like, I look at people in their face and I just nod. Okay, okay, yeah, that's great. You know what I'm saying? Because like, because because whatever it is you're telling me is gonna change in a couple weeks. All I can do is do me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm not going to let you drive me crazy. That with- sounds about like the typical workplace.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yo, know, you know, like,
1: you know, radio is just like everybody else's job. Like, you know, there's pro- there's somebody working at Wendy's right now who's a vegetarian and fucking hates beef.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but
1: <laughs> I work at a radio station. I hate half the shit they play on the radio. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm there to put you onto shit that I'm interested in. Right. You know, too. Right. Like, you know, I'm going to tell you about the artists you like. But I'm also going to like, you know, I'm going to sneak some stuff in there. I'm going to tell you about Earth Gang. Earth Gang. Like, I'm, I was going to tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: going to tell you about- You put me on Earth Gang. I was you, coming man. from, I was riding from Atlanta. You said, check out Earth Gang. And they ride. It's heavy. Word, right, man. It's heavy. It, it's jamming.
1: There, there's so many dope people who have nobody in their corner fighting for them. You know, like, and at the end of the day, the culture will only exist if you're pushing the envelope and just- Pushing people, even if you look at like, you know, sales trends, the people that get played on the radio a lot aren't even the people selling records. There's something to be said about that. There is a reason why Rick Ross doesn't have an album that sold two million copies. With that being said, I also feel like they don't play his best music. Mm -hmm. They play his ratchet shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They don't play Mm -hmm. his stuff that could actually maybe Mm -hmm. speak to somebody who's going through something. You know, um, you know, and even people like Young Jeezy, who figure out a way to keep it street, but also at the same time, kind of like inform people. I feel like more so in his career at this point, they should be supporting him more than ever. Oh, same right. thing with Ti. The fans won't let Ti grow up.
0: Right. Yeah, Ti is still in the trap. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it don't, it don't really I'd be don't. so
1: disappointed if I saw T.I. in a trap right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like, really you have all these businesses and all this money and you have a show on TV. Like, no. Why in <laughs> show people what happens when you leave the trap and go legit. But the fans don't want to let cats like that do that. And it's just so disappointing. And that's just another thing about hip hop culture that we have to figure out a way to to reset the mind state. Like, hey, don't age these people out, let them still entertain you. Like, have you you guys ever seen Big Daddy Kane Live? Mm hmm. Like in the last five ten mm-hmm. years, like Big Daddy Lancer. Kane has one of the best, best shows, live right. rap shows you will ever see in your life. There, I probably say eighty percent of people who are eighteen years old don't know who Big Daddy Kane is, Man, and it's right. unfortunate. Like people who listen to pop music have at least heard of the Rolling Stones, right? You know what I'm right, saying? Right. They have at least heard of an Eric Clapton, right? They at least heard at least one Beatles song, the Beatles, right? Hip hop radio. Does so such a great job of like crumbling artists up and throw them, throwing them right. away. But it's dope that they have like this new boom format and this new throwback format. Like in a lot of markets where they're playing like retro artists, but if they let the wrong people curate it, it's It'll gonna eventually only show you the worst things about that culture. Because like when you look back at, let's go with 2003 to 2010. If I pulled out a pistol right now and I said, tell me 10 classic records from that period, you're going to stutter and you're going to say, oh, a mm-hmm. You know
0: right, what I'm right, saying?
1: Right. Remove out, you know, once you remove outcast from the conversation right. and like, you know, a couple Jay-Z records, like there was just a lot of like disposable music, a lot of records that have been on the radio in the last like five or 10 years. Right. Them joints haven't aged well. Right. Soldier Boy is a great guy personally. Right. But- His songs have not aged well. Like I put on uh, you know, we played a throwback joint in the morning and one day I put on uh it was either turn my swag on a pretty boy swag, and it was just like, uh you know yeah, like Right, right, right. Like right. I wasn't really a fan of it then because like 'cause I, I like lyrics and I like things that are gonna I I don't know, make me think. But like I didn't like it then, but even now it's just like uh, uh, uh right. Yeah, right, but right, like right. but on the flip side of that, Soldier Boy's a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Cool and like and to see somebody so young figure the game out get a lot and of money. money off of it. Right. You know, whether or not you like, wouldn't be attributed to the yeah. culture at all. But like, there's something to be said about the business. The host. Yeah.
2: When we talked about the target audience, I, w- I wanted to make a point. I'll get to a point. So when you guys jumped into radio, the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, y'all y'all were the new young group, the young, uh, targeting the young audience, um, 1834, whatever. But now you have this new giant that's come in. And I'm talking about the Breakfast Club and just trying to look at how they've come in and kind of shaken things up a little bit. How do you view the competition between your show and, and that show?
1: Um, I mean, can- I, I think it's it's like the equivalent of having Showtime and HBO. You know, some people like one, some people like the other. And it's totally okay to like both. You know what I'm saying? Like, Charlamagne Tha God is a cool dude. Like, you know, that's that's my man. You know what I'm saying? And and I've been a fan of his for years. Like, even, you know, even going back to, like, the Wendy days. And, like, the weird thing about radio is, like, people think just because you're in rival situations that there's always beef and tension. right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just, you know, in a complete moment of transparency, I was so relieved to know that, you know, Charlemagne appreciated me, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? It just, just on
0: it, some, it, on some it black... Helped. Some black man, the black man to black man shit. You it know helped. what I'm saying?
1: Because, right. like, you know, I ain't never did no sucker shit a day in my life. You know what I'm saying? Or or harbored no ill will towards anybody or, like, mm-hmm. felt jealous of other people's situations. So, like, you know, I have no problem just sitting back and just admiring what certain people are doing. Because, like, even when they started popping, you know, I was telling anybody who would listen, hey, listen, we probably need to do a better job with our online content. Because blah, right, right. blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Yeah, because, like, you know, because perception is reality. In 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 radio, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you see certain things a lot, you're going to, like, you know, believe that this is the only voice in that situation. So that's why, like, over the last few months, I really took it upon myself to pay a guy out of my pocket to come to the studio and videotape the interviews that I do or even we do as a morning show sometimes and post them online. Because if you don't see them, they didn't happen and you didn't do it. Right, you know what I'm saying, and and it, and I've been telling people about this for years. Like, yo, like, hey, we got blah 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 coming in. You sure you don't want to tape that? I want to tape that. You know what I'm saying, and like, I got tired of being the I told you so guy. You know right. what I mean? So right. you know, it is what it is. So now in that department, virally, we're chasing a chuck wagon. Right. Even though, if you look statistically, we've probably like you know had way more content that we could have put on the on the web, we didn't. So okay. now that's that's the fight that we have mm-hmm. to have. And that's a fight that I plan on at least throwing punches in, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I'm saying, like, you know, what I'm yeah. like, you know uh-huh. like, even if it's out of my own pocket, and it has nothing to do with the situation I'm on. And it's about my brand personally, because, like, at the end of the day, I do a lot of the interviews. Right. You know, what I'm saying right. like I will go home and come back to work to interview somebody. Because I'm that passionate right. about, about the, culture. the culture. I'm that passionate about what I do. And a lot of time it's a lot easier to conduct an interview and get what you want when it's just you one on one anyway. Mm-hmm. Because like, you know, like interviewing people is like it's like going to a psychiatrist.
0: Mm-hmm. No one's gonna sit
1: on your psychiatrist couch and tell you everything you wanna know in f- the first five minutes of an interview. You gotta get them comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Make them make them relax. Mm-hmm. Once that spine curve and go into a C motion, you got them. They'll tell, <laughs> they'll, they'll tell you anything. Lock you know what, what I'm saying? Lock- yeah. we, we did a great interview with R. Kelly um, a couple years ago. And if that interview was done live on the radio, it wouldn't have been as great because, like, you know, you only talk for a couple minutes. All right, we got here to hear a play song. Oh, right, we got here to have a good commercial break. Mm-hmm. But when you get to come to work after That's the fact, right, sit down, unrushed, you got 30 to 45 minutes to really flesh it out and get the details. That's the best way to do an interview, man. Like, you know, the, the, and, and I'm always fighting for those things. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. we're going to take this person live. Uh, uh, we probably shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? Right, but right, like, right, sometimes right. they listen to the kid, sometimes they don't, and that's the suckiest part about sometimes being the youngest person in the room. Like, ah, shut up! You're still fairly new on <laughs> radio, but it's like, but right, I study this shit.
0: Was that the <laughs> wait, was that R. Kelly the best interview that you said oh, you've no, had? Nah, Who would you nah, say nah, was your probably this. your best? It's, it's hard to best? the best th- like, top I mean, three or something like.
1: Um, that. I always enjoy interviewing. I always enjoy interviewing Rick Ross because I feel like i have the ability sometimes to get things out of him that he doesn't give to other people mm-hmm. um you know some things are online, some things aren't, but like I feel like the Rick
2: Ross interviews are good from that situation with him i I want you to continue, but mm-hmm. speaking about Rick ross um him and and with and with his uh with his girl lira, yeah, lira. what do you, you think do you think just from your observations you think him and, like, he's really fit into, into Lyra and, and he was really crushed by whatever happened?
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, we did an interview with him probably about, probably about a month and a half ago, two months ago. Right. And this is when he you know, really started, you know, when the ring was shown mm-hmm. and all that other good stuff. And I ain't never seen him smile so much or be so happy. Like, he was genuinely, gen- genuinely in love with that girl and hella smitten. You know, <laughs> over over the situation, she's like, "Hey, come over here, baby. Tell them, you know, da da da, right. da." Like, you ain't never see Rick Ross so unguarded. So, you know, like that instantly made you happy for him, and it was dope because, like, he's never given me that. Right. So that's great. So, okay, you're telling us this. We even got them to sing Biv DeVoe's "Poison" together <laughs> on video. Oh, yeah. Who does that? Yeah, he, you know, what he, I'm saying? He, he was so, all the way in on that. Yeah, man. So, like, I be trying to just get like unique moments with people, and it's always great when people feel comfortable enough with you to where you, they know you ain't trying to set them up with a loaded question. Because I'm not really here to make you look bad. I'm here to have a conversation and try to get you to talk about the things that people may expect you to talk about. I mean, I think a, a great case was um, with Celo. Um, you know, obviously the easiest places to go with CeeLo, so that rape case, you know but it, it's such a, te- it's a it's such a touchy thing and the cool thing was he kind of gla- he kind of grazed across it and referred to it as the incident right. that is such a tough thing and such a, a hot button buzzword with people that it's unfortunate that he may never actually be back into the good graces with some people because of what happened, but he's talented and he's very sorry. Mm-hmm. He's a talented dude. He put out an album called Heart Blanche that I don't think anyone really, even really 100% understands that is out or even heard it. And it's just so unfortunate because, like, he's truly sorry. Mm-hmm. And, like, you could see, you could tell in my eyes when he's sorry. Mm-hmm. He's sorry. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to do whatever he can to like you know get back in people good graces and we mess up.
0: Right. You know right, what I'm saying?
1: Right, right. Not saying what he did was right. You shouldn't really be drugging people's drinks, but he knows that right. now. Like, you know, sometimes people need to have that hand pop moment because like that doesn't take away from the fact that even at the height of his fame, when he didn't have to do it, went back and did an album with goodie Mob. Practice. After they did an album dissing him, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And then created a situation he for Goody Mob to be on TV, TV on right. TBS. He didn't have to do that because mm-hmm. he was here. Mm-hmm. And he came down from the mountain to help his buddies out like you should. I feel like some of those other things trump the other thing. Yeah. You know, so, mm-hmm.
2: you know,
1: I, I wish him the best of luck, man. He, he, and he gave us a really good interview.
2: Who were your other two interviews? Um, you, me, you mentioned Ross, I interrupted Yeah, yeah. You.
1: Ross, I mean, Ross was great. Um... I liked uh, De La Soul. I did a really good interview with oh, De La man, Soul. Oh, man, I know
0: that was, that was amazing for you.
1: It was crazy because, like, they were, you know, like you grew up watching these right. guys. like And, like, to see... Well, you are a fan at that point. Yeah, point. like, you know, like <laughs> I, I felt like little little Jimmy Olsen at the Daily Planet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, asking questions to Superman. Like, it, it was just great, man. And, like, to be able to create an opportunity to also not only just interview them for... My personal purpose is but to also get them on TV. Because I wanted to get them on Dish Nation. And the way I angled and pitch, pitched it, I was able to get them on Dish Nation. So as a fan and also an advocate and a supporter, that felt good to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? It felt so good to me. Like there was a situation one time where, you know, you think everybody in rap knows each other. But you come to find out that they don't. Like Prince Marky D from the Fat Boys... Uh, great dude, lives in Miami now, does radio um, We were at this show And Ice Cube was there For some reason or another Prince Marky e. D has never met Ice Cube <laughs> So, me and Cube are kind of cool So I'm like, you know what? Shit, let's make it happen You know what I'm saying? So like, I, gotta, I got to introduce right. Prince Marky e. D to Ice Cube And it's like, how the fuck did y'all not meet? You know what I'm saying, but and it was just cool to do that, to and just to do fall right the here. fuck back and like you know like the the Allstate guy and just like <laughs> just admire the situation from afar, like you know like, man, that's what we're supposed to be here to do, like enable and help and enhance the situation and make connections that ain't been done before, cause like you know hopefully whenever he thinks of when whatever Prince Markey he thinks of me, maybe he'll think about that time like oh man you're you crack you good dude he introduced me to Ice Cube, mm-hmm. you know like, I, man that, that that felt cool,
2: that's to me, about. you know
1: like. You know, I'm not in it for like selfish reasons. Some people like try to make everything all about them. Like, you know, like I just man
2: should sure heal the people. What you think about a few more questions? I know we got to wrap up, but uh, just some current event. What you think about the beef between Drake and Meek Mill? Yo, the beef between Drake and Meek Mill is interesting because if well, you might- not the what is, is, well, is really a beef? Well, I guess it was definitely a beef. Okay, if you because if you would have <laughs> had the
1: same beef in the '90s or even the early 2000s, Meek Mill would have came on top. And I think Meek Mill went into it with the 90s and early 2000s mentality, as you should. Because if I was to like do a PowerPoint presentation with all my notes, right? And I'm Meek Mill here, right? Drake has ghostwriters. Drake has been peed on. right. I have the girl you want. I'm having sex with her. Um, <laughs> and you're Canadian. Uh, and like, he had a lot I, of I, stuff yeah. to work I think, right. these, I think this is enough to win if I'm Meek Mill. Right. right. Drake used social media and and, and, and and music in a way to defeat an opponent. I don't think anyone's ever seen that done before in in, in a, a hip hop battle. Like this wasn't ether. It was just about lyrics and disrespect. Mm. This actually, like, it spilled into the streets and actually, like, you know, it was like Drake slapped him, and not even with the front hand, but with the back and <laughs> a little bit of knuckle. And the and the internet finished him off. It was the internet. The internet that, that it was the internet that beat Meek Mill. Right. Drake didn't really beat Meek Mill, but the internet the did. Meme did. Yeah, because like if you would j- if you would have just went record for record, because truthfully. His little record where he was like rapping over the Undertaker intro, right, right,
0: right. it
1: wasn't the worst shit ever, but, but. The, the internet, once the internet has made their decision- Black Twitter. Black Twitter- it's over. It's over. Once they've picked their side, it is over, and there's no coming back from that. I think that is historically the first time a light-skinned dude has a dark-skinned dude in such a way. Like <laughs> the panda, the panda, the, the, no, the, the panda, man left his left his marks in him man. Like the last time you've seen light-skinned versus dark-skinned oppression in such a fashion, it was Lo versus Mo D, but there was no social media. You know what I'm mean? mm-hmm. saying? Like it was. It, never seen anything like it ever. But at the end of the day, I think quietly Meek Mill is the winner because at the end of the day, Drake
2: wants Nicki Minaj. And you know this. And at the end of the day, that's, that's Meek's girl. That's Meek's. So uh, another question. What, what's the current state of hip hop today?
1: Current state of hip hop is it's, it's all over the place. And uh, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about how we have devalued the music to such a point to where expand, uh, fans expect everything for free. Like look at the numbers Adele just did with a new album 3.4 million copies. You want to know what Adele's not doing? It's not making a mixtape. Neither is Justin Timberlake, neither is uh, you know, any other self-respecting pop artist who is trying to move units because they value their art, they value their music. We have conditioned our fans to expect it for free. And then when you factor the legal free, which is like streaming, you know, mixtapes, like Future, God bless him. Work ethic is incredible. He's giving away like four albums in one year, you know? Albums,
0: forget mixtapes, like, Yeah, albums.
1: these ain't mixtapes. These are albums. He's giving them away. And this, this creates a condition amongst consumers. Oh, I don't got to buy your music. You're going to give it to me for free. And if you're not going to give it to me for free, I'm going to listen to it on Spotify. I'm going to stream it. So you can make, I don't know, four cents for every time I listen to your album.
2: You know what I'm saying like right, right. it's
1: hard for artists to make money with this particular uh, business model in play, and that's why you have you know the the um, the vicious cycle of labels wanting to do the 360 deals and get all the money from the artists from like their shows and merchandising because the labels are suffering a lot as well and then you know artists are forced to have to figure out other things to supplement the loss of income. You actually have rappers selling drugs now like they're actually rappers doing who, that who actually... take a little money and they 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 low key flood in the street with work because it's not like it was you know back in the day you know like and and it is so unfortunate because like that does not happen on the pop side
2: what's the solution for, but what's the solution for, for for the rappers and and to get them lucrative deals and to get them to 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 value the music what what what's your Thoughts on that?
1: I've, I, I don't think the, the change in the uh, in the answer is easy, but I think the current wave, and like and you're starting to see it slowly happen, but like I called this shit like 10 years ago. I was telling Kino, I was like, yo, listen, what's going to happen in the future, albums are going to be sponsored and given away with another tangible item. Because like music isn't as necessary as it was before because it's so disposable because you can get it anyway. Mm-hmm. So what you're going to see in the future, the same way you saw like Jay-Z's Magna Carta album, uh, you know, Paired up with a Samsung with the, situation, the, yeah, the, you know, uh, you know Drake's next album might be bought to you by Pantene. Gotcha. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? And, 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 and giving away with, you know, like something else. Yeah, something, something else. else. And but like, you know, but they have the exclusive rights. I think that's the total. Um, I think as it relates to hip hop, I think that's no the next. It's going to be the next business model because like it's hard to condition people to pay again when they've been getting things for free. It, it, you it's can't undo that. Right. You know, if you thought people buying bootlegs was bad, you know, and that was just a small percentage of people going buying bootleg cassettes. Well, not really small. I mean, but like, mm-hmm. it's not like the simplicity of of me being able to pull out my phone right now and listen to the album that just came out yesterday for free because I'm paying nine ninety nine a month for Spotify, iMusic, or Title. You know, because like, if I if I'm paying my nine ninety nine a month and I can listen to everything I want for free, why should I buy your album unless I really rock with you like that? I have connected all these labels and I can get every album for free but I actually buy shit because I'm such a fan. I bought Redman, I bought Logic, I bought Young Jeezy. I bought You know what I'm saying like and I could totally call my man from Def Jam and get it but like you have to you have to support the culture to keep it going, you know?
0: I mean, I guess that's perfect segue, Bodega Brothers. Yes, sir. Let's talk a little bit about that, the dynamic, how you guys came together, because it's, it's really a unique story.
1: It is. Um, it's crazy because, like, you know, when I moved to Texas and was, like, finishing high school, I used to always hear about this Mexican kid who people said, yo, you remind me of this Mexican kid from Louisville High. And, like, you know, you used to always hear about the same thing about me. Like, yo, you remind me of this black kid that goes to the colony. And then when we finally met, it was like, you, you know, what I'm saying <laughs> like, you know, like we knew who each other was before we even met each other. He was in a group called Technology, which was a part of a bigger group, which me and my group at the time were having beef with, called Squad X. But it wasn't like real beef; like it was like it was like a secret war. Like you know how like you know like USA and Putin, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, it's like there's tension, but no one's no one's, the, the, yeah, no one's like in the first shot. But there's definitely tension, and like there was snipes and barbs, and you know people were waiting. But anyway. So Keynote was in that crew, and then you got Travi, the Irishman. Uh, he was in another group called The Menu, and uh, and like and everybody had like great stage shows. So um, when I stopped doing as much group stuff as I was with the group I was with at the time, I started doing solo records, and uh, I had a hype guy who me and him just kind of like, you know, just disassociated just for whatever reason, and Travi, who was just leaving his group, was like, yo, I'll back you up on stage, just like, yo, just bring me with you. And I was like, word, you know, Travi is such a loyal dude, so... Me and Travi, we traveling, we doing shows all across the country, you know, and then an opportunity came for us to go to Europe to do some, do some shows. And um, me, Travi and Kino had a couple of songs that we recorded that were a part of my set now when I was doing solo stuff. So I was like, well, damn, I want y'all to come to Europe, but I don't want y'all to just come and do one song. Tell you what, let's make a couple extra songs. Just like, you know, just to fill up the 45 minutes to an hour that we'll be rocking and like, you know, really fluff it out. But because we were so tight, you know, because me and Kino doing a night show every day. So like, you know, like at this point, we're like fucking best friends. And like, you know, in Trav, I, you know, we've always seen each other and hanging out. The songs wrote themselves. Because <laughs> like we were just writing records about just like real things that were happening. We would hang out and just like just like just be boy shit. So like 12 songs materialized quickly. So like, you know, me and you were in the gym one day. He's like, yo, we got to call our crew something. He's like, "Yeah, I got it. Bodega Brothers. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, like, you know, like, Bodega's like, you know, you can get anything from a Bodega. Like, you know, you can buy like a sandwich, cigarettes, rolling papers, weed at some quality Bodega's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Bodega's <laughs> all for everything. And I felt like musically, that's what our group is doing. We're giving you a little bit of everything because like, we, we're the same, but we don't agree on everything you know we don't agree on everything like you know i'm mm-hmm. like like man me and Trav, i be having like and keynote be having such heated like arguments about politics and like gun laws and like you know but like because keynote and Trav, i feel like yeah, everybody should have a gun Wild, Wild West. like like <laughs> no like everyone's gonna no. get shot like you know like, like, but and like so like but it's you know but everybody has a valid point for where they're coming from but we can like clash fight argue about shit and go do an amazing show and high five each other you yeah, go our separate ways, and come back and do it again. And, it, and it's just such a great situation because, like, imagine it to travel with your with your best friends. Like, and it's what you do, you right, know. And, right, like, right. and like, and like, your job is to just figure out how, ways to do creative things. Like, we're opening for Rick Ross uh, at the end of the month. Oh wow! And, wow. and the thing that we're doing where, 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 in Dallas, in Dallas, it's this place called the Bomb Factory. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we're doing for this Rick Ross show is so fucking absurd. And so not been done before. Like, oh my God. like you know, and, But that's the thing. We're always trying to push our limits and, and, and test ourselves. Like we did a show a couple weeks ago. We opened for the jizzle from the Wu-Tang Clan, mm-hmm. which is kind of ill because it's such a weird extreme. Like, why?
2: Wu-Tang Clan? Rick Ross? Like our music covers Comes such a wide season. spectrum of things. Like, It's more than just one one genre or one
1: type of style or what well, I think the lines are becoming blurred. There was like a period in time yeah. where like you wouldn't see certain groups on a bill with certain other artists. Right. But like now I think the lines are becoming blurred again where like, you know, hip hop is such, such a fragile point. People are coming to support a little bit of everything all in the same night. I was hosting an event last night, the Omen Cypher, and there was like a little bit of everything. And like everybody kind of appreciated it, everything all equally. But like, yo, like I mean, but even with the Jizzah show, the stuff that we did that night was just so ill and unique to the crowd. Like when we stepped off the stage, it was like yo, listen, how would you guys like to do this other show? And hell yeah, we'll do it.
2: So how I, you how oh, you man. feel when you get off compared to radio? Because uh, my last question is gonna kind of be uh, a what's next question right. for you. But how do you feel when you get off the stage performing after an event like that? Um, it's 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 my drug. It's your drug.
1: Like you know, like I I've never done uh, anything outside of weed before. Uh, but I would imagine it would be the equivalent of a cocaine high. You know, like, just, just the adrenaline and the uh, and the dopamine that's flowing through your system from, like, words that you wrote, mm-hmm. you know, that it connects with people in such a way. And it's weird because the songs that we do live are, you know, different than songs that you may actually hear on our album, which some of them are going to be on the album and some of them have been on previous projects, but, like, you know, it's a different approach to the show thing because, like... You, every every album cut in a show song. Right. So we really have fun up there, and it's almost like a mixture of, it's almost like a mixture of stand-up and hip-hop, but it flows together and it has a groove to it. So, like, just to see people react to it, man, it, it just gives me the biggest rush. Like, I, 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 am, I am more happier doing that than I am anything I do, because it's just, like, you know, it's all about your creative. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, in radio, you got to color in the lines and... You know, figure things out. But when you're on stage, it's like, it's the most liberating thing in the world. And it's like, hey, those people didn't know who we were before. Now they do. (laughs) And then it's starting to turn into, wow, these people came because of us? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the phase that we're at in our career Mm -hmm. now where it's like we're seeing the the, the tide shift. And it's scary because, like, it used to be like, man, I hope there's people there. To like, whoa, really? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And then every now and then you'll see people mouth the words to something. And it's like, oh, shit. It's happening. And and, it, and it's, it's so dope to be at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, we fought so hard to get to it. Yeah, and then you know, for it to be authentic. Like, you didn't have to sell your soul or anything to get to that point. Yeah, because, like... We, sincerely coming from the from the depths of your soul. Bro, we are out there doing exactly what we want to do and saying exactly what we want to say. Mm-hmm. And,
1: like, and I, and I can feel like 20 years from now, when I look back on it, I'll be proud of it all. Because yeah. mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who can't say that. Right. You know, like, you know, like, imagine uh Travis Porter doing uh any of their songs. <laughs> <No> <laughs> you know, hands. Who, no hands. When they're 45. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you'll be able to stand by all of it. You know what I'm saying? And and that's no shots towards anybody because they're making music for their city for the effect that they want to, you know, to get, you know, the you know, get chicks to twerk to it. And I get it. But like, you know, like I, I feel like what we're cooking up is, is different and and that's our contribution. Cause like, I mean hip-hop can't just be all to the left, all to the right. You need everything. Because if everything was all lyrical and conceptual, you get bored of that. Man, I want to party. I want something I can twerk to. Man, they don't play enough twerk music. And that's bizarre world. You know what I'm saying? I, but I, you know, like, so it, it's good, man. So we, we know we just add our little our little spices to the recipe, man, and just hopefully uh when you actually see the Bodega Brothers album LGA drop, uh fourth quarter. That's what our label is telling us. Um, Hopefully it does all those things that I told you It was going to do at the beginning of the podcast And we're going to follow that pretty much immediately With my solo album uh, Called The Rainmaker Which uh, I think is going to really It's really going to impress I I, I think it's really going to That is very bold I'm not going to say impress a lot of people But I think people will learn more about me from that album than you've probably ever have from radio or anything else I've done cuz it's all true stories and it was and it's like in that in the Rainmaker is like a snapshot of like a moment in my life where like everything was fucked up.
2: Mm. Mm. Mm.
1: You know what I'm saying and like you know my grandmother just died. Mm. Niggas dragged me out of my house that I just bought, and moved me to a city I didn't want to move to. You know cuz it was it was everything was all shock you know what I'm saying like Atlanta showed me a lot of love but like it was just all a shock you know what I'm saying so the Rainmaker is such a reflection of where I was mentally at that time in my life because it was just like it was bad timing like you know you buy a house and people drag you out of it like you know (laughs) and then your grandmother just dies you know what I'm saying like just out of nowhere and then like you know and and you know and you're going through things in your relationship and you know you're trying to be a good parent and but you still like to party and have fun and uh and then, and then people are taking you to California, and they're giving you edibles, and you know, just, you know <laughs> like, like, and like, so it is, it is a, it is a, a, a bubble of all those things, and and a, and, a, and a lot of great stories. Get so yeah. hopefully that you know resonates with people as well. You, so you, and, and
2: you mentioned it just now, but uh, one one question from a listener, and I think I kind of want to close the the podcast with this question, but but essentially along the lines of what's next, you know, he even mentioned this listener who actually listens every day. Uh, to the morning show, that he would he would be surprised if you stay with the morning show if you continue to do be a personality I guess in radio. Um, what's next for you as far as what you would foresee yourself if five ten years from now?
1: My um, game plan in the next five ten years, if not, have my own morning show or radio show of some sort because I, I do like doing morning radio, but I don't like how it changes you to a you know particular place mm-hmm. because like you know. The, the, I get so many offers to do things that I, and I find myself having to weigh the money. It's like, uh, you know, because when I take off one job, I'm taking off from two, right. you know, because of Radio and Dish Nation. So it's like, you know, and the crazy thing is like, you guys know, like, you know, you get a raise at work, your living expenses change. So it's hard to, you know, you know, like make any less than what you're making, no matter how much you're making. So like, you know, so you're always like bouncing out. But like, you know, like, I, I if I if I stayed in radio it would have to be under I I guess like uh, different terms per se um you know you know uh, no slight at the current situation excuse me the, the current situation I am in but like you know just you know the change I, is always up.
2: good I look at I, yeah the next the next up I I'm 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 a radio uh, uh ESPN radio head so I watch I look at Colin for example I don't know if you know Colin Cowherd uh, I heard he was of him. with he was with ESPN for 10 years now he's at Fox doing – because he basically said that he, he sees more of a terrestrial radio kind of slowly diminishing. Oh, and totally, seeing, yeah. And seeing podcasts and on-demand type style and, and even more what, what, what the Breakfast Club is doing with YouTube and, and with TV. with his Now he's with Fox Sports 1. Mm-hmm. So just the whole game changed. So I can see – like I said, he was there for 10 years. Now he's over here for – since September – and he's changing the game that way. So Yeah,
1: I mean, and I, think, and I think there's a lot of truth to that because, like, I mean, like, podcasts, I feel like, are kind of the future because it's more of, like, you set your own personal appointment. Right. You know, like, I can listen to this particular podcast when I want, whenever I want, however many times I want, as opposed to, like, on radio. If you miss that moment, you miss that moment. I can't rewind my radio in my car, and that's unfortunate. Like, you know, radio in that format is so little disposable. I mean like people are making radio apps and stuff like that. Right. But like I just feel and when I say like I don't want to do radio in this current form, that that's exactly what I mean. Like, you know, I you know, like same thing when I left the record industry, like, you know, from a marketing side, like I kind of see the the smoke all around. Like, you know, there's a reason why there's like four morning shows in the country. You know, like right. the money ain't there no more. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? So like they're syndicating everything. And, um, you know, in the, in the bottom is starting to slowly fall out because you had a lot of people who didn't see the rise of the internet, the rise of streaming, the rise of podcasts. You got a lot of people who would think they're so fucking smart with their research. And I went to school and I studied this shit, but like motherfucker, like Kanye said, listen to the kids, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the yo, the, the person who is 14 is going Drive, to be dude. your target money spending demo in the next few years. You have to cater to them. these people because your your core demo right now, they're going to age out and they're not going to be spending that money anymore. So you have to, you got to super serve the youth then, you know, you got to mm-hmm. do it. So with that being said, next five years, um, some former radio, you'll hear my voice, see my face. Um, me and my man, Kino got a couple of TV shows that we've actually developed that are currently being shopped. Mm. Um, to uh, different networks, in that like multiple production companies are interested in, so that's sexy. And like, and the cool thing is like, we didn't even tell them all our good ideas. Like, <laughs> we just showed you the Shaft, right? Man. Like, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, we didn't even show you everything. But right. okay, cool. cool. So like, once we get this on the air, then we're gonna hit you back with the next thing. Gotcha. And then, as far as music, hopefully we can, um, you know, financially sustain ourselves doing those other things to where like, when we do make music, it continues to have a purpose, and we're not making music. And I think even if we made like two dollars between the two of us doing TV, we would still make the type of music that we make now because it's just who we are. Right. Because like we've never made music to make money, even though we want to make a lot
0: of money. Gotta, <laughs> you gotta you put, put that in as he, as, he yeah. leans,
2: as he leans into the mic oh, on that one. Oh, put oh that I leaned in to, like, the most interesting man.
0: the freestyle here, yeah, correct? Yes, sir. You, you you are known for rapping on the spot on the on the show. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, give us one.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna start like hey, Nick, but- Nick, we need a beat. <laughs> <laughs> no, then y'all got a beatbox. I got you. How, did, how, how long did it take you to, I, I guess you would say perfect the craft. Is it is perfection or something um, that you can do
1: in freestyle? You know, like freestyling is like karate. If you, um, you know, if, once you learn it, the muscle memory is always there. But every yeah. now and then you get rusty because if you don't do it, all, you know, you don't do it a lot. You know, cobwebs is on the brain. But right. If you do it a lot, right. I think you eventually get good at it. I was always I was always rapping so much, and I'm the same way with radio. Like you know, the the cool, the great thing, the brilliant thing about comedians, comedians are really good for retaining their jokes and mm-hmm. doing what they call callbacks, and you know, and reciting things over and over again. Mm. My retarded brain, and which goes back to what I was saying, you know, about like, with the night show. Eh, I'll do a better joke tomorrow. Like right. you know, like I don't repeat material. So like, if I say something funny on the radio. You're never going to hear it again. I'm not going to say it Mm -hmm. again because my brain just doesn't work like that. You know what I'm saying? Hence why I'm not a comedian. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like I may be a guy who some people find funny, but I'm not a comedian. I don't have a a five minute set or a 10 minute set I can go do somewhere. I'll I'll make an observation. I'll say what I say. If you laugh, you laugh. It is what it is. But um, but with (laughs) that being said, like same thing with the raps, like people would be in cyphers rhyming. And if I kick a rap that I wrote, you've heard it. So I don't want to repeat that rap, just in case you heard it before. So that's really where the freestyle came in handy. You know, like, you know, just not wanting to repeat and always living and
2: giving people something for the moment, you know? Hey, crap. Appreciate sure. you coming out. It's early Saturday morning. Yo, no doubt. In Atlanta, you just got out the club. Yo, if I could paint the ultimate picture, uh,
1: I got out of the club at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, talked to people to about 2.48 in the morning. Then I went home and I played Fallout 4 to about <laughs> 5 a.m. <laughs> Only to be woken up by my uh, my second youngest child. Uh and uh, yeah, but I'm here for it, man. I man, love I what, really appreciate. I love what you really guys. I love what you guys it. too, man. And I appreciate the culture. Man. I'm glad we was able to get the get the oh, schedule oh, synced up and make it happen.
2: Definitely. I, I told BG, I say, man, I, I really want to get this guy on, but I don't know if we're gonna be able to make it work. But but you definitely was a man of your word, and you said, hey, let's make it happen. Hey man, your and, word and is you, all got you got up. that's all you got, and you got up. So I really appreciate it, man. And like I said, hey, Craig, what we're trying to do is just. Just capture these moments and no use, uh, use 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 platform as our platform to capture these moments uh, to build what we're labeling as a digital library, and you just. You just joined that. You just created your book in our library. I'm in the archive. You in the, <laughs> You're in the We got You're in the it. Archives. Put me in the hall. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we so, it. so,
2: so we on our way to that to that New York uh, Public Library, stated digitally. No so doubt. uh But thank you for coming out. Thanks for um, having me. But let the people know how they can, uh, if they're interested in getting your your music. Or learning more about you, how they can uh, reach out to you.
1: Well, here's what it is, man. The website uh, where you can find out stuff about Bodega Brothers. It's bodegabrothers.com. And it's not spelled phonetically. It's actually uh, dot com. That's at 4.30 in the morning sleep. Bodegabrothers.com. We got music on iTunes. We have music on Spotify. Um, I also have solo records that are a little bit older that are on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Uh, you know, check out what I was talking about back then. But you, man, wait, wait till you, what
0: you hear me talk about next? Yeah, it's good stuff. It's definitely good stuff.
2: BG, how can the people reach us? Well,
0: first, we got to say thank you, man. We, we, we did, we did we this did. one. We stepped it up a little bit. We, we actually did. in the studio today. so yeah, this is nice. I thought
1: we, this is how y'all normally roll.
0: No. no we, this ain't how we
1: normally roll. <laughs>
0: you talking about <laughs> being in that mail room and oh, sticking. this man. This <laughs> next level. So We <laughs> hustle just like you hustle. We stepped it up. Yeah, some, yeah. I appreciate no like, you pulled out the good shine. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, brought to you by the good folks at Bravo Ocean Studios, Nick and the guys, for getting the set up. So we really do appreciate them. As far go ahead, you guys. Oh
2: yeah, oh definitely. Uh shout out to Nick and to um uh this studio man. It's nice. I mean if you in the Atlanta area, uh I know a lot of you like to uh, get in the studio, record, definitely come out to this studio uh it's really nice nick does a really good job that's piano, a piano that's live, a piano instrumentation. <laughs> garrett escobar getting us hooked up today definitely 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 so i just want to make sure we get them a proper do
0: yeah if you want to get in contact with us check out these podcasts and all our other content freelunchpodcast.com also on twitter you got comments you want to let us know how you feel about this episode or any other ones free lunch policy. instagram we'll have some videos and pictures up for that and be sure to check us on youtube freelunch tv
2: Headcrack. Yes, sir. We labeled ourselves as the hottest podcast duo from the South. Our network, the New South Movement Network, is a network of podcasts. We got four right now. We building on it. Got another one coming on deck. I am your boy, Tight. That is BG, the 27 Kid. Yeah, yeah. And we got uh, Headcrack, man. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> you know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the Freelance Podcast. Uh, we out of We out of here. <laughs>